When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is sponsored by The One You Fight For by Ronnie Lauren. Ronnie Lauren is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author who has sold more than a quarter million romances. The first two books in this series, The Ones Who Got Away and The One You Can't Forget, have garnered numerous starred reviews, were both picked as Amazon Best Books of the Month, and number one, New York Times bestselling author Colleen Hoover said of the series, absolutely unputdownable, delivers all of the feels Ronnie Lauren is a new favorite. The One You Fight For tackles a very important and timely topic, gun violence. The main characters, Taryn and Shaw, are both survivors of a deadly school shooting, and this story shows the many struggles survivors of school shootings face. Thanks to The One You Fight For by Ronnie Lauren for sponsoring this episode. Hey everybody, as you know, Rebecca and I are taking the week off, but we thought maybe you'd be looking for something to listen to as you started the new year, and maybe a good idea would be to try an episode of one of Book Riot's other great podcasts. This one's called Recommended. And this episode that's going to follow this little intro I'm doing right now is the most recent episode. It's the last episode of Season 2, and I produced it. So I thought, well, if you're here listening to me, maybe you don't mind listening to people that I thought might be interesting to listen to talk about a book they love. So you get the whole episode, you get, a, you get a taste of what the episodes sound like, and if you like it, go subscribe to Recommended. There's a whole bunch of episodes out. We're between season two and season three right now. Really like the show, really love this format, love hearing people who love books talk about a book they especially love. To edit together, each episode is you know less than 20 minutes long. Um, one book per author or writer or whoever we think is going to be interesting to talk about a book's. So this episode features Jane Mount, author of Bibli- Bibliophile, and Oyankin Brathwaite, author of the hot novel, My Sister, Serial Killer. All right. Go listen. Enjoy it. Hope you like it. You'll hear Rebecca and I, well, next week. This is Recommended, where we talk to interesting people about their favorite books. This week, Jane Mount picks The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Jester, and Oyinkan Braithwaite talks Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Jane Mount is an illustrator, designer, and founder of Ideal Bookshelf, a company that makes things for people who love books. She lives on Maui in Hawaii. Her latest book, Bibliophile, an illustrated miscellany, brings literary people, places, and things to life through her signature and vibrant illustrations. I think I probably first read The Phantom Tollbooth when I was around nine, and I actually had a really excellent summer that year because I was a very shy, dorky kid, you know, not very outgoing. And my dad was an architect, and his studio was right by our local public library. And I somehow convinced him that summer, (laughs) uh, my mom did not know, but I convinced him instead of taking me to daycare to drop me off at the library every morning, and then he would go to his studio and then pick me up and we'd go have lunch and then take me back to the library. And I just sat in the kids department and read a book in the morning and a book in the afternoon. (laughs) It was the best summer ever. (laughs) And I think that's the summer probably when I first read The Phantom Tollbooth. The Phantom Tollbooth really 
kind of opened my eyes to the idea that I was bored because I chose to be (laughs) and that you can choose not to be bored. And that's all it takes. And once you choose not to be bored and see the world as a place that is exciting and you can learn stuff all the time from everywhere, it's completely life changing. So I think that is really what it left me with. I don't, you know, I, I don't have a specific memory of sitting and reading it, but I was definitely branded by it. (laughs) Well, it's a story of a boy on a journey to a magical world, which, you know, is pretty much a very popular story (laughs) still today in all different formats. And he gets to make this journey into a whole land where everything is different from how he thought. And He has to figure things out and solve puzzles and finish a task. When he does, he is, in a sense, rewarded. It's a story that's hard not to like. It's the classic story, but this one is told in a way that's great, especially, I think, for kids who don't quite feel at home in their surroundings. And it sort of makes you feel not only is the whole world more magical, but that as a clever, nerdy kid, there is for sure a place for you in it. I think Milo, the main character, is very relatable. And I think also Tok, who is the watchdog. He is actually a dog with a clock set into his sides. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of puns, a lot of wordplay, a lot of math, some spelling, things to figure out. I know, and that makes it sound in a way more boring, but I promise you it's the opposite of that. So I think this book showed me that actually it's great to be smart. It's great to learn stuff. And the more you learn, you know, the better you are and the better the world is. So I think that's really what I got from the book. And I think all different characters he meets along, Milo meets along the way on his journey, teach him that in different ways. I have reread some other books that I loved as a kid and they definitely did not hold up. But this one still really held up for me and really... It was. To be honest, I put off rereading it for a long time because I was scared. (laughs) It would not, but it totally did. I still think it's really one of the best books ever. Milo, the main character in the illustrations, is not the most attractive kid, to be honest, the way he's drawn. But somehow he perfectly comes across as, I mean, it's just really the perfect way to to draw him. I cannot imagine him looking any other way, actually, besides how he looks in the drawing. So I think it, I've, I've read about, actually, the making of the book and Norton Juster, the writer, had a grant to write a book about cities for kids. He was an architect and he had a grant to write a book about cities for kids. And he kept trying to write it and got really bored with the topic. And so ended up writing this book instead. And he lived at the time in a house in Brooklyn with roommates. And one of the roommates was uh, Jules Pfeiffer, the illustrator. And when they were talking about the book, Pfeiffer offered you know, talked about doing the illustrations. And so apparently it was quite a partnership and they went back and forth a lot. And Jules Pfeiffer wasn't sure he could draw the things that needed to be drawn, but they pushed and pushed and finally got it all done. And it really seems like quite a collaborative effort that I think worked out perfectly well. I never knew that until just around the anniversary a few years ago. I never realized that he, that Juster was an architect. One of the things I love most about the book is that it says that all of these things are just as valid as each other. And that you can be, if you're great, good at math, great. If you're good at writing, great. If you're good at drawing, great. And if you're good at all of them, even better. I like the idea that it's okay to be interested in and good at a bunch of things and that you don't have to specialize too much. One thing that I think is great is that it's it's a great book for 
smart kids to read because there's a lot of little clever wordplay and clever tricks in the ways he names things and talks things. And as you read the book and you figure them out, it makes you feel like you're accomplishing something great, makes you feel clever. It's sort of like these days, some of my favorite recent books are, I'd say like Cloud Atlas by David Mitchell or Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders. And in some ways, this is the kid's version of those in that you figure things out along the way and it makes you feel smarter as you learn to actually read the book. Do you know what I mean? Thanks again to Jane Mount for joining us and recommending The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Juster. You can find her book, Bibliophile and Illustrated Miscellany, published by Chronicle Books, wherever books are sold. You can follow her on Twitter at Jane Mount. This episode is sponsored by Aquacorn Cove, the new graphic novel by Katie O'Neill. When Lana and her father return to their seaside hometown to help clear the debris of a hurricane, Lana remembers how much she's missed the ocean and her aunt. As Lana explores the familiar beach, she discovers a colony of aquacorns, small magical seahorse-like creatures living in the coral reef. With the help of her aunt, Lana rescues an injured aquacorn and learns that the town and the coral reef are out of balance and in danger. When another storm threatens the town, Lana realizes she'll have to stand up to those she loves in order to save the aquacorns. This is a wholesome, gentle, LGBTQ-friendly graphic novel that teaches young readers all about the importance of protecting the ocean and saving the coral reef. It's from Katie O'Neill, who just won both of the Harvey and Eisner Awards for Best Graphic Novel for Kids for the Tea Dragon Society, and it is seriously adorable. Katie's illustration style is absolutely enchanting, and it's beloved among kids and adults. It features cute little seahorse-like creatures called aquacorns. It's published by Oni Press and available wherever books and comics are sold, but especially available at your local indie bookstore. Thanks again to Aquacorn Cove by Katie O'Neill for sponsoring this episode of Recommended. Oyinkin Braithwaite is a graduate of creative writing and law from Kingston University who lives in Lagos, Nigeria. In 2014, she was shortlisted as a top 10 spoken word artist in the Eco Poetry Slam. And in 2016, she was a finalist for the Commonwealth Short Story Prize. Her debut, My Sister, the Serial Killer, is a darkly funny novel about a Nigerian woman whose younger sister has a very inconvenient habit of killing her boyfriends. My name is Oinka Braithwaite. I went with my favorite book in the whole wide world, which is Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. When I was 11, um, I went to boarding school in Nigeria for a year. I was, I was living in England at the time, and I went to boarding school in Nigeria for a year. And I know I already had this book because I took it with me, and then I lost it, and we had to buy it again. So I know I've, I've bought this book at least three times. I actually don't even like the edition I have now because it says... It contains 100% recycled paper and no offense to recycled paper, but it's not very pretty. It's a weird thing where I'm like, every time I go to the scenes for me that are the most epic, they still move me in the way that they did when I was a child. So I don't know what that has to say for my emotional development. But yeah, I, I, I kind of love it the way I, I, I always did. I've noticed recently that some people consider it to be a gothic, a kind of dark novel, maybe in the same sort of genre as um, um, Wuthering Heights. But I don't think I realized that until recently. I kind of just thought it was a normal sort of romance, which again, I think says a lot about my psyche, but I didn't really think it was very dark. And 
I just thought it was so beautiful. I fell in love with the character, which there are a couple of things about Jane Eyre that I, I think Jane Eyre is timeless. For me, Jane Eyre is a timeless novel. Like, I don't, it doesn't feel to me like something that was written, you know, a really, really long time ago. It's, it feels very present. Jane Eyre is a woman who I think is very strong. And I like the fact that she's the main character, but she isn't beautiful, which I think for books of this nature, like if you compare it to other books, you know, like the Jane Austen books, or there's a lot of emphasis on how beautiful, if you look at Thomas Hardy or Charles Dickens, like all the women tend to be beautiful. And I think generally in in literature, like when women are at at the forefront of the novel, they are very attractive, which Jane Eyre just isn't. And yet it, Usually that sort of thing would make me maybe alienate the reader because you already know they're not an attractive person on the outside anyway, but it doesn't do that at all. If anything, it draws us closer to her and her plight and the things she goes through. So she's someone who's not, you know, who's plain and who's poor and who doesn't have a lot of family and doesn't have a lot of friends. And yet you're still drawn to her. You're her friend. You take that place of her family, your friends, you become her friend and you, you want to cheer her on and you want the very best for her. So I became very attached to Jane Eyre and, and her plight. And I think, again, I feel like I've seen people sort of consider her to be a weak character in terms of her personality, which I wholly disagree with. There's the scene where after she's been about to marry Mr. Rochester and and she discovers that he already has a wife and she's having to deal with this. And, you know, this was this is someone who's not had a lot of love shown to her in her in her life, who's been very poor. And this man who's filthy rich, who loves her to bits, you know, begs her to stay. And he's bargaining with her, trying to figure out a way for her to stay. Like, OK, if you know, if she can't stay with my wife as my wife, just stay. And. To be honest, I feel like in modern times, the day we are in now, you know, despite how strong a lot of us consider ourselves to be, I I know most would fold under that kind of, in those kind of circumstances, because at the end of the day, what do you have? Like, what do you have to, if you leave where you are right now, where you've got security and you have love, it's not like you just have security, you have the security, you have the love, you know, um, Jane didn't have anything else. So the fact that she was able to, walk away from him she walked away from him um the way she came she the way she met him penniless so she almost um by virtue of her decision she almost dies she almost starves to death because she literally didn't have anywhere to go and she didn't have any money and i think to be able to make that choice based on your morals and your principles alone is strength is is spectacular strength she had a very strong faith and you know there's a point where she's talking to him because it was a long you know this guy weeps and um you know he, he did what he did he weeps he, he, he wept he wept and he um he you know and at some point she's like he's like okay do you know what just stay stay the way you are now stay as the go- as the governess you know i'm not going to demand anything from you i'll you you'll barely even see me just stay and she's like you know what you say that now, but you know, having me around, she was, she, she didn't compromise at all. She's like, look, I'm going to, you're going to tempt me. And they wanted, she didn't even mean, you know, tempt me. She wasn't, she wasn't talking sex or anything. Cause obviously this was a different time. She just meant, you know, you're going to tempt me to want, to want to be 
with so long as you see me, so long as I'm there, she didn't compromise. She cut him off completely. She cut herself off because obviously he's not the one that left. It was his home. She cut herself. The people who she had come to love in that environment, she wasn't able to say bye to anyone. She cut herself off completely, left with nothing. This is what I'm saying about how I feel like it's timeless because if we were to make it a modern story and we were to say, oh, you know, uh, this girl, you know, is an orphan, has no parents. She was abused by her family. She was tossed out. She was, you know, she suffered all this kind of trauma. And then she meets this guy who's, it's like, okay, it's it's like a Fifty Shades of Grey, but with trauma. So she meets this guy who's got ridiculous money. You know, he's flying her here, flying her there. Um, he's, you know, he, he, but without, again, without even the madness of the Fifty Shades of Grey guy, like with this one, the guy's got his head, you know, he's not demanding weird things from her. He just wants to love her. He just wants to be with her. And then she finds out that he's married, but the wife isn't, it's not that he's a cheat, but the wife is violent and is trying to kill her husband, right? It wasn't as if it was just some wife that he just put, to, you know, in the corner. But this is a woman who he was tricked into marrying, um, who is who has completely lost her head, who is constantly trying to kill him. Who in in today's world will probably be in some psych ward somewhere. So it's that sort of situation where it's like, okay, but Jane, he's not a bad guy. You can surely you can overlook this little hiccup that you've got going on here yeah so I mean I think for her and it was it was really a matter of faith for her because he was married the thing is it's that weird thing where I think a lot of us in life kind of have to decide where to draw the line because sometimes it's not clear it, it's really not clear all the time, you know. Sometimes it's not it's not a black or white situation where you can say, okay, this person is a bad person or this person, what they've done is wrong. So to be able to, like you said, to be able to make that kind of really harsh decision and you know this decision is going to affect you. It's, it's going to affect you more than it's going to affect the person you are cutting off. It's pretty impressive. Thanks again to Oyin Ken Braithwaite for joining us and recommending Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Her novel, My Sister the Serial Killer, published by Doubleday, is now available wherever books are sold. You can follow her on Twitter at Oyin Braithwaite. Thanks for joining us for Recommended Season 3. We'll be back in February with Season 4, and until then, you can listen to all three seasons at any time in the podcatcher of your choice. Thanks again to our sponsors for making this season possible. If you like what you heard, please do take a moment to review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We love to hear your feedback, and it helps other book lovers to find the show. You can find show notes at bookriot.com slash recommended, and you can email us at recommended at bookriot.com. Listener.